Hello everyone, I'm Neely, and joining me is Ben Level Up Lovell. Hello. And, um, well, we we wrote this episode a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the biggest struggle of a weekly on-time series is making sure that, you know, you keep it varied. So we plan a long time in advance, and our consistency is really key to yeah, our success. Definitely. <laughs> and I would say that um, at some point, the outside world just completely disappeared. In the- um, and yeah. I think we, we got... We got blipped. That's what it is. They that were... would make... I mean, we have had, in the past year, more lockdowns than we've had episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> like, I feel like that's just something we need to be aware of. <laughs> A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, um, we watched Terminator. We did. Yeah. Um, And since then, a lot of things have happened, and we've managed to watch a lot of things, including WandaVision, which, as we're recording this, next week will be the final episode, and when that's completed, we're going to go straight into recording to uh, talk about that. Um, And basically, we're, we're, we're back as long as we keep doing this. Yep. And we make zero promises. <laughs> this may not turn up on YouTube, it may turn up only on Spotify. Yep. I mean, well, the biggest issue I had was, obviously, in the preparation for this, uh, you'd never seen Terminator. Yeah. So we watched Terminator 1 and 2 together. <laughs> I just remembered what I made you do. Yeah. <laughs> and then nearly said, well, what we should do is do another episode where uh, you talk about the not-so-good film. So I then binge-watched <laughs> the rest of the Terminator films and it's taken me a year to stop the screaming, to be honest with you. I've just been crying. Endgame had a better timeline continuity to it. The X-Men Cinematic Universe has had a better <laughs> timeline to it. I mean, this happens when you throw time travel and things. I think what I can actually blame things on is oh, in March 2020, um, I was visited by somebody who said that they were from the future and they told me not to make any more episodes of the I've Never podcast yeah. until now. Yeah, we wait for the opportune moment. Yeah, of course. The week before WandaVision, just to really get ourselves ready for it. Yeah, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. And speaking <laughs> of time travel... That's my segue into what we're talking about today. <laughs> um, that was as subtle as watching Arnold Schwarzenegger walk through LA butt-ass naked. Yeah, he did do that. <laughs> Twice. Twice, yeah. God, just, I think he'd get arrested if he tried doing that today. I think he'd get mobbed by fans, to be honest with you. Probably, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, first things first. What is the Terminator? So, um, I mean, there's many different interpretations of the film. Personally, I see it as a light-hearted romantic comedy uh, about one man, one woman, one murderous robot, and the quest for true love. Or just a really awkward one night stand with weird music over it. Yeah, there was a lot of weird music. I mean, what I'd say is that I'd, I've written this down over a year ago now, so I'm going to read it. The, the, term- <laughs> the Terminator is a 1984 love story about a robot from the year 2029 traveling back to the 80s to protect its family and way of life. It's a time travel plot that's really soppy and lots of people die because Ohana means family and family means no one gets left behind. A mother's bond to her son is something that transcends time. Baby Skynet in its Roomba in the (laughs) 80s. That's what it's all about. I've missed this. (laughs) 
So if we talking if we're talking about Terminator, we have to talk about James Cameron. Yeah, and that he was relatively unknown at the time. It was his uh, one big thing before. They basically wouldn't give him m- enough money to actually film this film. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. This then became like a, essentially a B movie. Yeah. But yeah, like they gave him in real sense, like a nothing budget for a film, even like back then. Mm. It was like a uh, $6 million, I believe, was, was the full budget they gave. Very little. Which for a movie is nothing. And it was treated as a bit of a joke, really. Yeah. So what I what I'll talk about next is we'll talk about the characters and then who was casted as them mm-hmm. and, and a few facts around the casting of those characters as well before we talk about even the plot because everything about the development of this movie is more interesting than the movie in most cases. Yeah. Just because there was so much that happened. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, as we know, played the Terminator. Yep. And he was a cybernetic android disguised as a human being. Uh, mostly because to be able to travel back in time, you have to be wrapped in flesh, or it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and it was also to make them blend in amongst humans so they didn't stand out so they could get to their target and kill them without being interrupted or distracted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the idea was uh, nothing inorganic could make it through the time displacement. So that's why clothes fell off and no guns, no weapons from the future. That's why everybody was naked. Yeah. Basically, whenever they yeah. came through. It's how they covered not having big blasters and why Arnold Schwarzenegger was seen with his big blaster. <laughs> so Michael Bean? Bane? Bane. Michael Bain was Carl Reese, who was a human resistance fighter sent back in town to protect Sarah Connor. Yep. Uh, Linda Hamilton, the uh, the legendary. Honestly, Linda the Hamilton. best accidental casting because yeah. she just owned that role in the second film, and you could not look. I, I argue with anyone, you could not look at the first film and say that she would go on to be as iconic as she was in the second film. Definitely, she was a, she was Sarah Connor. So yeah, that was the Terminator's target. Yeah, and Paul. Winfield was Ed Traxler, was the police lieutenant trying to protect Sarah. He didn't do a good job. He did not do a good job. Uh, Lance Henriksen was Vukovic. Vukovic. Uh, was a member of the LAPD. Uh, Earl Bowen is Dr. Silverman, a criminal oh. psychologist who's all the way through. Um, He's in the original trilogy, yeah. Yeah. Bess Motta is Ginger, who's Sarah's roommate, and Rick Rossovich is Matt, who is Ginger's boyfriend. They don't feature much in the film. Um, no, they're right more to itself. set the plot of who Sarah is and her life. So, just to talk a little bit about this casting. Yeah. So, Arnie was going to be Carl Reese, originally. That's who they were considering before. So, so for those that can't see my face, I'm, I'm just looking puzzled at just imagining that. And who the hell would then be the Terminator to be monumentally bigger than him. So the thing was, he felt that if he needed to cast Schwarzenegger as Reese, he would have to cast somebody who was more famous to play the Terminator. Because yeah. Reese was the secondary character. The Terminator was going to get the most screen time. I mean, it's the film is called The Terminator. It's not called Save Sarah Connor. Yeah. So he he wanted Sylvester Stallone and Mel Gibson. They were offered it, but turned it down. Um, and just, I, interesting fact. Before we get sued, this is just a, an observation. The studio suggested O.J. Simpson for the role, but Cameron did not feel that Simpson would be believable as a killer. Okay. Um, I'm sure a large number of peers would agree with the same fact as James Cameron. So, if anything, James Cameron could be an interesting judge of character. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly what we're going to say right now. Yes. <laughs> um, I need a lawyer and an adult. 
So James Cameron on casting Schwarzenegger, here's a, here's a direct quote from him. I'm not going to try and do a James Cameron no. Cameron accent, but uh, casting Arnold Schwarzenegger as our Terminator on the other hand shouldn't have worked. The guy is supposed to be an infiltration unit and there's no way you wouldn't spot a Terminator in a crowd instantly if they looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It made no sense whatsoever, but the beauty of the movies is that they don't have to be logical. They just have to have plausibility. If there's a visceral cinematic thing happening that the audience likes, they don't care if it goes against what's like. I like that. And honestly, I think that's more eloquent way of wording it than I've normally heard because I'd not heard that quote before. Um, the way I heard it before was that robots couldn't have understood what true infiltration was because they didn't have a concept of human interaction yeah. and personality. So to them, they just looked for the ideal specimen. So what they did was they looked back in time, found literal Mr. Universe, who won all these weight difficulties, so it must be the true model of a man, and then made a robot based on him. That makes sense. That, makes a lot of that sense. was always the fan So what, what we're saying is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the Terminator. Yes. Oh. Although, fun fact on that one... Um, the third film actually undid that by saying that the Terminator was based on, Sar- I'm going to get this wrong, but Sergeant John Candy, who was a redneck South, uh, Southern State, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was voiced over when he went, what do we base it on? And it just cuts to him and him just talking really weird and then going to someone else saying, but we need to get him a better voice who was then redubbed with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Just a train crash. Just screw that film. So Arnie didn't want to be in the Terminator. No. He needed the at money. At all. He didn't need the money, though. This is the thing. Because oh. at the time, he was filming Conan the Destroyer. So he was already big. He was already acting. And he was already felt that this film would be beneath him. So he would actually just wear, like, parts of the costume just around because he couldn't be bothered to take them off. So he was wearing the boots for the Terminator costume whilst he was filming Conan and whenever anybody asked him about it he'd just say oh it's for some shit movie I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> like over and over again so it's 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 one of those things that he probably regrets saying it all now because he's realising how big it was but at the time yeah. he absolutely hated it I don't think he enjoys being in, cameoed in the new ones I think the latest one he he did actually like being in it yeah he, he liked being back with Linda Hamilton and that kind of core thing um, his cameo in Terminator Salvation was minimal. Uh, he was like, a, he was deep faked onto a robot. Yeah. Um, that was about it. Um, he, I think if I remember right, I don't want to kind of give fake information, but if I remember right, he didn't enjoy being in the third one, wasn't happy with the end product, and especially not the feedback on it. Because um, unfortunately, the f- they did peak with the first two films. Yeah. Um, I mean, Terminator as a franchise, I feel, is one of the very few times where the, the sequel is better than the first one. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember when we watched it together, you said pretty much within the first like five seconds, this is already going way above what the first one had achieved. Yeah. Um, whereas then onwards, it went with what you'd expect from sequels of just not being as good. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it was a shame uh, to see it down for And I wish in many ways that they had just ended it there, but cash grabs pretty much, yeah. Just going back to Carl Reese, they actually considered quite a lot of people here. And one of them was Sting. <laughs> Um, which they decided not to do. And Michael Bain actually thought that the film was going to be very silly, but he researched the Polish resistance movement to get into his character, which I'm not sure whether you can tell, but he is actually, if you look at how he actually acts whilst he's all the way through the film, mm. he acts as if he's a resistance Yeah, fighter. he actually does act it very well. Um, and that makes sense. Like, there is a lot of um, subtleties about it. 
So I'll give him his dues there. He, he does a good job. Um, like, better than I'd, you'd expect, to be honest. For the attitude that they'd have had going into this and how guerrilla it was filmed, credit to him. Definitely, because it was a guerrilla filming. Oh, absolutely, as I'm sure we'll come on to later. Definitely. <laughs> so let's get into the plot. What actually happens in The Terminator? And this is obviously a spoiler warning. Yes. Because I'm going to tell you everything that happens in the film right now. I mean, at this point, if you haven't seen it, and I mean, the film's been out for, what, 36 years? Yeah. I feel like maybe that enough time has passed now. I'd hope so. Yeah, at least so, two weeks normally, isn't it? So yeah, know. they're about <laughs> two weeks. Unfortunately, for some people, especially people that are watching things like Wonder Vision, it's like the second they watch it, that's that's where the spoiler embargo comes to an end. Yes, true. Sorry, I'm just a bit annoyed about that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to start reading, and I'm not going to stop. Okay. So get ready. This is all going to not be in one breath, but I'm going to edit it so it sounds like it is. The magic of editing. Killer Robot comes back in time to Los Angeles from the future to stop a human uprising after the machines have taken over. AI-driven war machines have taken over the world a few years after the setting of the film in 1984, starting with a nuclear attack, and the machines redesign themselves constantly to become more efficient killing machines. The Terminator, the T-101, or 101, is a cyborg with a metal endoskeleton covered in an external layer of living tissue to make it look like 1970s Mr. Olympia winner Arnold Schwarzenegger. Shortly afterwards, Carl Reese, a human resistance soldier, also comes back from the future. Both T-101 and Carl Reese start looking through the phone book for women named Sarah Connor. The T-101 starts killing Sarah Connors in alphabetical order, and our heroine Sarah Connor is sufficiently spooked. So what you're saying, just to cut you off there for this amazing stuff, that if her parents had, I don't know, given her the middle name Anne, this would be a really short f- franchise. Yeah, she would have died immediately. Yeah. Yeah, if that's, that was her middle name. Written and directed by James Cameron. Just ended. <laughs> in the first scene of the film. Are you Sarah Connor? Yes. Bang! Written and directed. So, the soldier and T-101's attentions are revealed in a shootout in a nightclub in which Reese kidnaps Sarah Connor and the pair begin a wacky chase through LA with a killer robot chasing them. Reese reveals the secrets of the future to Connor and tells her all about the killer robots from the future in Skynet and that her future son John Connor will lead the resistance against the robots and this is why the T-101 has come back to kill her. The resistance was about to win and so the machine sent back the T-101 to swing the tide of war and John Connor sends Reese after it. Reese and Connor are arrested after they are attacked by the Terminator again and the Terminator realising they cannot just talk their way into the station utters this line I'll be back before ram raiding the reception killing all the police officers inside Reese and Connor flee to a motel where Reese makes pipe bombs whilst explaining he has been in love with Connor because of a photograph that her son John gave to him they have sex in the motel room I mean <laughs> just just aside um, I feel like I'm watching the room just with that line I guess they'll have sex now it does feel that way. It, it is very <laughs> odd that they're suddenly just like, oh, you're in love with me and just because of a photograph you saw of me? And I, like, I mean, in the photograph, she was probably holding a spoon. There's a room reference there. If go, you got go, it. go and listen to the last episode, yep. you'll, you'll get it. <laughs> so, meanwhile, the Terminator kills Connor's mother and impersonates her by using her voice, tricking Connor into revealing their location. A car chase ensues whilst Reese throws pipe bombs at a pickup truck. Eventually, they crash after Reese's winged by a stray bullet. The Terminator is hit by a petrol tanker truck, which he steals and attempts to run down Connor with. Reese plants a bomb on the truck, and the resulting explosion kills the Terminator with homebrew napalm. The napalm simply burns the flesh off the T-101, and the endoskeleton slowly chases Connor and Reese into a factory. Reese turns on the machinery to confuse the T-101, and during the chase sacrifices himself to blow up the T-101. The T-101 does not die, and instead simply has its legs blown off. Connor is hit by shrapnel in the thigh, and then Connor tricks the T-101 into the hydraulic press and finally deals a killing blow and we see the light literally die in its eyes. The final scene shows a heavily pregnant Connor at a petrol station in Mexico where she is recording tapes for her son, explaining that he must send Reese back in time so that she can become pregnant with her son 
and that he can then start the resist. A young boy takes a photograph of Connor charges her $4, and she places the photograph with the tapes to give to her son, to later then give to Reed. So I like how, like, there's clearly an effort to tie up all the loopholes and just saying the, the plot holes, just saying, you know, I know in order for this to happen, you have to send him, so here's this, here's the photo. It all ties it up. But in keeping with what Cameron said earlier in your quote, there's a big thing called a paradox. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, I think that what actually happened was that basically Cameron was... On acid. On acid whilst <laughs> watching Back to the Future and then was like, you know what? What if he did have sex with his mum? I think that's what it all was. What if he was his own dad? That's what he's like. And then he was just like, I can sell this. <laughs> you can't see Ben's face right now, but it is a picture. I, I, I to be honest, I'm having questions about everything. <laughs> yeah, just, just, I don't know if Back to the Future was out at that point, was it? I am being terrible forgetting. We're going to just edit out while I search. I'm not editing this out. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Because I, I, I know films, and I like films, and I've forgotten. I think it was 77. Back to... Ah, oh, it was 85. This was a year before. So what you're saying is... <laughs> that what actually happened was whoever directed Back to the Future, and I definitely know who that is. Um, yes, you know that it was definitely Robert Zemeckis. Who is, of course, famous for directing such films as Back to the Future. Yep. <laughs> um, and other things. Such as? I don't know, IMDb hasn't loaded yet. Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, so yeah, well he produced. No, he produced. So he wrote Back to the Future. Hang on, we are very well prepared about our segues. Why do you ask? He's directing. He's directing the upcoming Pinocchio film that Disney are apparently making. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, I'm sure it will feature a lot of time traveling in. Probably. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he directed Forrest Gump, he directed Castaway, The Polar Express, Beowulf. Okay, so yeah, accomplished director. He's done some good stuff. Yeah, so basically he watched The Terminator and was just like, yeah, I could do that. I mean, it was one of his earlier big well-known films, yeah, mm. before then he was just doing some smaller stuff. So, um, how James Conrad actually came up with this was during the release of Piranha 2 The Spawning, uh, he had a fever dream. I'll be honest, I've not seen this. I I've not like seen it either. We do, we do need to watch it at some point. Sounds like in the calibre of Sharknado, I'll be honest. So he uh, had a fever dream where he saw a metallic torso dragging itself from an explosion holding kitchen knives. So that's where he got the idea of... Um, so in the explosion, uh, basically the Terminator loses its legs and drags itself along. Yeah, that's And it's where he chased her in the hydraulic press. So that's where he got it from and he yeah. put that image in. That's very cool. I like it. It is very cool. So there's a lot of interesting things that it brings up about time travel and the perils of time travel. Mm. And it's never really explained, apart from in kind of later films, whether they actually stopped everything happening or whether there was just so many different robots sent back at different points mm. um, within that within that time frame. And it, it gets very, very convoluted from there. Yeah. If they'd have basically left it at the end of Terminator 2 and said, that's it, that's it, you've done it. Basically, mm. I think we would be probably all would have been much richer for the experience if it ended there. Yeah, uh, because Terminator Three was um, yeah. Um, it. I mean, the nicest thing I can say about Terminator Three is it wasn't as bad as what followed. And that's saying something. That's the limit of my generosity. So we have some trivia. Yep. So yes. Um, for example, and this is quite common, I think, especially in movies nowadays. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger while on the set. Um, unless he was filming with them, did all he could to avoid Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean as much as possible, just so that 
he wasn't forming any connection with the actors that would then come across on screen. So they had that terror and the unfamiliarity with him. Cool, that's brilliant. Um, and that does happen nowadays quite a lot, actually. Um, I, I, I was going to make a joke about how this was the best actor of that character, but even I can't write it in my head. The actor Jared Leto, for his portrayal of the Joker, mm-hmm. um, only interacted with certain members of the cast and in very peculiar ways. And it's basically seen as like a big thing that, you know, actors will method act and control who they interact with. Um, also, the actor for Pennywise kept out of the way of the children so that they were more scared of him when they saw him. So things like that are actually quite common nowadays, which may not have been so much back then. So the uh, light time shooting. So one of the most famous bits of trivia about the films is uh, the very iconic blue lighting. Yes. Uh, so something that some people do know, some don't, um, is whenever you see Arnold Schwarzenegger in the first film, there is this very strong blue light on him. Now, because of, as we mentioned, it had a very low budget, the film didn't have a lighting budget whatsoever, uh, which is unheard of. It does not happen outside of B-movies and fanfics. So what basically happened was James Cameron drove around LA at night trying to find what areas of the city used a certain type of bulb so that whenever they shot uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger they shot him on those streets so he was under those bulbs and lit the same way in every shot to give him a metallic uh, robotic look so that whenever you looked at him and you looked at a human you felt different on an emotional level because of the lighting but you couldn't place it and of course you're saying that they had to find those streets because they, one they didn't have any lighting and also they had to film at night because they didn't have any licenses to film that was also a problem they did have yes yeah. um, there was no licenses they basically filmed when they could and a main the main reason the film itself is shot almost at t- entirely at night was because it was less likely the police were going to see them filming said million dollar film yeah I'm pretty sure the only thing that they really had those licenses to film was the kind of big explosion because yes. you, you would assume that otherwise you know terrorism well, yeah yeah funnily <laughs> enough that is a concern that people do have um but that was the thing is james cameron is a very respectful and one thing i really do appreciate about his films about special effects and yeah. doing and doing practical effects in a very good way so for example in one of his films and it's going to bug me which one it is he actually flies a helicopter under a bridge. Yes. And he does it real. So it's not on wires, it's not CGI, he just convinces someone, God knows how, to fly a helicopter under a bridge where the clearance is nil. A really funny uh, side note was the crew actually made their own uniform. Oh yeah. So James Cameron didn't provide them with a uniform. However, they made their own t-shirts that said, you can't scare me, I work for James Cameron. That makes a lot of sense, especially because um, Cameron's agent didn't actually like the concept of the Terminator, so Cameron fired him Yep, at the time. Did you ever hear the story of how they actually got the funding for Terminator, the pitch meeting? Uh, I did not, know. So, to get funding, at the pitch meeting, Cameron convinced Lance Henriksen, uh, who plays the, a detective in the final cut of the film, but he is Waylon in the Alien series. Um, they convinced him to dress as a T-101 before the role was cast, uh, they put gold foil from a cigarette packet around his teeth. He had him kick down the door of the pitch meeting with a ripped t-shirt, leather jacket and jeans. Um, and they loved the gimmick so much that they greenlit the project. And that's why it got his very, very low budget of $6 million. <laughs> well, they're like, if you can do this on a whim, $6 million is probably enough. Um, so, so as part of his training, uh, before they started filming, Arnold Schwarzenegger spent weeks learning how to reassemble, dismantle, reload and fire every weapon that he used in the film without looking because it was believed that a robot would have been programmed on how to do it so they don't need to look for visual input it would be for want of a better word a muscle memory yeah so why would a robot look at it yeah that makes a lot of sense and there was 
A few other things that um, happened with <laughs> with Schwarzenegger, he butted heads with Cameron quite a bit, and he had he had trouble pronouncing "I'll" because because of his accent. It's not his nat- natural. Uh, so he language. asked James Cameron if he could say "I will be back" instead, and gave the reasoning that the Terminator wouldn't speak in contractions because he's a robot. And uh, Cameron shot back with "I don't tell you how to act. Don't tell me how to write." And he just told him they'll shoot it ten takes and pick ones that will sound the best. And there is actually a novelization of the film script and they actually changed it completely to I'll come back which I'm sure Cameron was thrilled absolutely Ooh. thrilled with yeah you don't mess with his uh... well the thing is it's... and I, I respect that to an extent as well because it's clear that he has a passion and a respect for his craft and he, he, he believes in it and you have to respect that because it's all about the pride in your work definitely and going back to what you were saying about special effects as well mm. um, and how he respected that kind of thing. Um, the plot Terminator was actually Terminator 2. Yes. But they didn't have the... He just didn't feel like they had the right technology to create the T-1000. And the Terminator skeleton was actually clay and plaster wrapped around a steel ribbon and then ribbing and then coated in chrome. So the walking animation of the pup was very clunky, which is why the Terminator gets so damaged in a truck explosion. So they came up with a plot reason that the robot would have a limp so that the puppet looked natural. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, cause it, yeah, it was very interesting how they made it, especially when you look at it now, because it, I mean, it hasn't kept up as well as modern cinema, you know, that's an honest fact. However, I feel it has an intensity that um, other films nowadays don't have because of the live real elements to it, rather yeah. than just relying on CG to just film a green screen it does it all for you there is a certain intensity that i think is provided by using reality practical effects yeah i always prefer practical effects over green screen oh absolutely although they are coming up with very very interesting ways to create almost practical effects like things in the mandalorian and stuff like that yep um which i'm sure we'll talk about at some point because i've never seen the mandalorian you've you've never seen the mandalorian never seen the mandalorian this is not the way uh, <laughs> i'm sure i'll get that joke you will get that joke very quickly when you watch mandalorian um so one other thing i want to talk about before we start wrapping it up towards the end um is the nightclub technoir so one of the things that Cameron actually put a lot of effort into um, making something out of nothing was the Technoir nightclub. So the nightclub itself isn't a real nightclub. Uh, it's based on... The name is actually based on a uh, term that he coined from films such as Terminator and Blade Runner, which is the film genre of combining film noir and sci-fi. So Cameron actually made up the term himself and then put it in his own film. Without thinking, he create—he essentially created a lot of the cyberpunk you see there, then. You could say that, I suppose, yeah. Because te- techno yeah. noir is cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, yeah, in the script it was called something generic, uh, Stokers. So very mm. different. Yeah. Um, so, something quite funny about it, though, is it was filled with extras. They had their setup because obviously, if you have Arnold Schwarzenegger walking around with a sawn off shotgun, random people, if you try and gorilla film it, are going to call the police. Yeah. So, what they did was they, you know, got extras in, they explained the scene, they got it all prepared, all fine. However, if you put a brand new nightclub in the middle of downtown LA, <laughs> fill it with people and loud music in the 80s, people show up. Yeah. So people queued outside, trying to get in, thinking it was a brand new trendy nightclub that had just opened. And I'll be honest, I think he should have let a couple of them in and taken their phones. They wouldn't have had phones. It was the 80s. It was the 80s. 
They just struggle to hit, hide them. Lock them in <laughs> and film the reactions. Nah, he could totally have let the people in and just get them to sign a waiver. Literally just said, it's it's actually, we're, we're having a nightclub. You can still dance. You can have fun. There's alcohol available. Yeah. But also, at some point, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Universe is going to turn up and he's going to start shooting a gun. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't try and fight him. Because even though he could probably kill you, we don't have the insurance. <laughs> Oh my god, did they even have the insurance? I'm sure that's liable. I'm not yeah. saying anymore. <laughs> if you're in doubt about this, please Google and find out for yourself. Oh gosh. <laughs> so to bring this all around and to conclude a little bit. Yeah. Terminator 1 and 2. Yep. Full-time classics. Absolutely. Always. Yeah. They're iconic. They have their faults. Yeah. As does everything. Yeah. But they're very, very minimal when we consider it against something like our last episode, which is The Room. <laughs> what so, are you saying? Apples and grapes. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we haven't talked about the second one as much uh, in this one, uh, but the second one is uh, like it's, it's up there as one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time, and I would uh, I would agree with that. Um, the first one, I feel, though, it's, it's one of those situations where in order for certain things to happen, inspiration has to come first. Yeah. Without Terminator 1, there could be no Terminator 2. And there could be, like, let's be honest, if you look from the 80s onwards, how many films feature AI, feature robots, feature machines, feature the complexity and the battles of man and machine? This whole idea of Skynet. Yeah. It's just absolutely huge. And if you don't take you take it outside of the scope of film, you look at other popular media. Mm. So we look at things like what kind of uh, written media... Ultron. Yeah, so written media. So we're looking at comic books now. Yeah. Ultron was was essentially a thing simply because the the whole concept of an AI gone rogue. Um, and I want to say that it's one of the reasons why Stephen Hawking was so incredibly scared of, of AI. In fact, I actually had a quote on here that I was going to start this with, which is, the development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. It would take off on its own, redesign itself at an ever-increasing rate. Humans, who are limited by slow biological evolution, couldn't compete and would be superseded. So I think that looking at kind of the idea of this, that AI could be something that is going to take us over, yep. unfortunately, highly likely, is actually something that may very well happen. Yep. Um, so which is why the ethics around AI is so incredibly ingrained. I mean, it all originally came from um, Isaac Asimov. Yes. Um, which, if you've never read iRobot, which was made into a, a film, uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, I um, mean, it wasn't an awful film. I, I would actually argue it's better than you remember. I mean, Shia LaBeouf was in it. The film was good. I enjoyed the film for what it was, but for being a faithful recreation of the masterpiece that was iRobot, which, no, which I, I can, set the yeah. original laws of robotics that we we hold as true laws in science today for a science fiction novel to do that. But Will Smith was naked in the shower. Will Smith was naked in the shower. He got his fresh prints of the <laughs> <laughs> Which Wow Wow West. <laughs> and of course, video games as well. Just bringing that back around. <laughs> video games as well. System Shock mm -hmm. uh, is a very, very big one to consider. There's just so many things where it's just like the, the big like AI and the one that's in so ingrained in popular media now, which is pork. Yep. Everybody thinks of GLaDOS. 
whenever they think about AI, they hardly ever think about Shodan, which is uh, which is sad. But here we are. I feel that is definitely a discussion for another day. Definitely, because uh, that's the one thing I I haven't um, shock horror. I haven't completed Portal, but I know you have and put a lot of hours into all the Portal games. Oh yeah, well, two all two of them. That's more than one. <laughs> They are masterpieces, and at some point I will make you play all the Portal Two. Well, Portal One and Portal Two. Portal One can be like less than an hour these days. Nice. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get you to play both of those so that we can do an episode about them at some point. That sounds good. Which I'm sure will be extremely consistent. Definitely. Um, so I'm not quite sure when this one will come out during this week, um, but it'll, editing will happen over this weekend, so it will hopefully be out probably this weekend, if not Monday, yeah. and then we'll decide our new schedule, uh, which yep. we're definitely going to stick to. Yep. Uh, next Friday. We'll be recording an episode about WandaVision, so stick around for that. If I do upload this to YouTube and you are listening to it on there, hit that subscribe and like button. Comment as well, please. Got to get that algorithm going. So Ring the bell for when we upload every now and then. Yeah, definitely. And also, if you're catching this on Spotify, um, thanks for listening on Spotify. We're also on Anchor FM. Um, and just in general, thank you to the people that keep listening to the several to the four episodes that we've got available, I get notifications that people are still liking the pages, that's still good. listening along. Even though we've not done anything in it by a year, it's nice to see that people are still enjoying the content that we did put out. That's nice. Um, definitely. So thank you all very much for listening. Um, yeah. I have been nearly from nearly not quite gaming, and this is Ben Level Up Level. Catch us on Twitch every so often. Yep. And we're uh, much more consistent on there. Oh, well, we we say that. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you, everybody, ever so much for listening. Yes, have yourselves a lovely evening or day wherever you are, and whatever you're doing, be safe. Yeah, try not to become your own father.